foundational text is going to be in the book of Judges, chapter number 16, verses 28. Judges 16 and 28 is going to be our foundational text for today. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, lift it above your head. Let's make our declaration of faith. Somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer and not just a hearer. And my life, again, say it again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better. After hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Book of Judges, chapter 16, verses number 28, the writer declares, Then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me, and please strengthen me only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. 29 declares, And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weight against them, his right on the one and his left hand on the other. 30 declares, And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death, watch this, were more than those whom he had killed during his, his life. That's a significant statement. The dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. Father, I want to thank you once again for this opportunity to minister the word of God to the people of God. God, it's my desire that you be glorified in this place. So I humble myself and hide myself behind the cross that men may not see. Give honor, glory to Greg, but all glory, all honor goes to you, Father. I love you and I appreciate you so very much, God. I love you. Bless your people on today. That is my, that's my heart's desire. God, that you would bless your people on today. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen. Let's do this. I want to catch you up for what we've been uh, dialoguing concerning the past couple of weeks. Um, in the past, we've said that the Holy Spirit, that he has two functions within the life of the believer. He abides within us and he rests upon us. He lives, he lives within us, but not only does he abide within us, According to the scripture, he also rests upon us. Jesus speaks to his disciples in Acts chapter number 1, verse number 8. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, when, when he rests upon you, you will be empowered to exercise and to demonstrate the things that I have called you to do. Now, um, if I am James, John, Peter, one of the 12, this is nothing new because they have testimonies of how the Spirit of God has rested upon individuals in the past. This is, this is not new. We, we look at the book of 1 Samuel eleven six, 6, where the Bible declares the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul. They've heard this language before. 
Second Chronicles 15 and 1, the Spirit of God came upon Azariah. Ezekiel 11 and 5, the man of God declares, the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me. But he's going to challenge them with a new concept, something that they have never heard before. Because not only does the Spirit of God rest upon us, Jesus said that he would be in you. Now this is, this is new because this tabernacling of God within mankind, within the heart, within the human spirit of man is new to them. He's going to tell them in John 14, 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be, will be in you. This is new for the disciples. So let's break this down. What does it really mean and what's the true purpose of him abiding within me and resting upon me? First of all, the Holy Spirit abides within you, number one, as a token of my salvation, number two, for perpetual communion with God. And that's critical for you to understand because as a believer, you got God on the inside of you. <laughs> Y'all, let me come down here. <laughs> now, if nobody else say amen, y'all ought to at least help me out. <laughs> I mean, family, come on now. You got God on the inside of you. The question is, why are you scared? Why are you fearful? Why are you afraid? Why do you care more about what folk think about you than... When you got God living on the in, oh God help me, you got God living on the inside of you, and some of you are on, on Paul's timid to do what it is that He has called you to do when you have all power living on the inside of you. So the purpose of this 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 God, the Holy Spirit living within me, is for perpetual fellowship. And some of you all would be more progressive in your relationship if you would actually fellowship with Him. Sometimes me and my wife we're in the same room, but we ain't necessarily fellowshipping. <laughs> we in the same house and, she, and she'll let you know she'll let you know I'll be home all day I'm talking about all day I ain't at the church I ain't at the office I'm at the house all day we talking I'm doing, I'm doing work I'm cleaning up straightening up and at the end of the day she'll be like you ain't spending no time with me all day I've been with you all day where the spirit of God can be in you all day and there's no communion, there's no fellowship. Oh, come on, y'all. You'll you, you, probably be a little bit more joyful, a little bit more happier if you would actually commune with the God that lives on the inside of you. Can somebody say amen to that? The scripture teaches us in the book of Romans, Paul writes and he says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. Speaking of this communion and this connection that we have with God. Paul writes in Ephesians 1.13, he says... When you heard that, uh, uh, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the Spirit, my God, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession. Again, the purpose of the Holy Spirit abiding within is for communion, and it's also a token of, of, of the promised things that are to come. Come on, somebody. The Spirit of God on the inside of you is a down payment on the new house that you're going to get. It's a down pay. It's the earnest money. Come on. It's the guarantee that everything that God has for me in the future, everybody shout, what God has for me, it is for me. 
And as a token, he put the Holy Spirit on the inside of you as a guarantee that it is yours. Can somebody say amen to that? So that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit abiding within you. But then there, the second function of the Holy Spirit actually resting upon you. Pastor, what is that all about? Two, two reasons, again, that the Holy Spirit rests upon you. Number one, for heavenly approval. Number two, for more effective service. There are times when God needs to validate his man of God or his woman of God and let the people within their sphere of influence know that I have chosen them for this particular task. And one of the ways that he does that is he allows his spirit to rest upon them in a supernatural way. We see it, uh, uh, Saul, when the spirit of God rests upon him and he begins to prophesy. And the men around him, they say, is Saul one of the prophets? How is it that this Benjamite is prophesying? Well, what God was doing, he was showing them that this is the king that I have chosen for you guys. So I'm going to place something special on him so you will know. Book of Acts chapter number 2, the Spirit of God fell upon them on the day of Pentecost and they began to speak in languages that they were not learned or trained in. And the people around them, they were like, how is it that these Galileans are speaking in this language? God was using this as a sign that I, have that I am validating what, I'm, what, what you're seeing happening in the earth right now. So there are times when God will rest something special upon you. But then ultimately, the reason that the Spirit of God rests upon you is because... He wants you to be more effective in your service. He wants you to actually be more effective and efficient. He wants you to do more in less time. Un understand, understand. I said last week, you can, you can dig a hole with a spoon. You really can. I mean, you'd be out there all day, but you can, you can dig a three-foot, four-foot hole with a spoon. Or you can go down there and rent one of them ba uh, uh, bobcats. One of them John Deere, are y'all with me in this place, and actually be more effective, oh my God, in what it is that you are called to do. So this whole idea of spiritual gifts that we've been chewing on, it is the Spirit of God resting upon you and he deciding to manifest certain gifts so that you can be more effective in what it is that he's called you to do. Let, let, me, let, me, um, let me spiritualize it and then I'll make it practical. The Apostle Paul, he talks about gifts of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, uh, faith, um, um, tongues, interpretation of tongues, all of these power gifts. And what's amazing, as we have been dialoguing for the past couple of weeks, many of you all have come to me and you're saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm beginning to see some things. I'm beginning to hear some things. You're, you're getting, beginning to have more experiences with God like never before. And I'm not surprised at that. It is God manifesting himself upon you. So the practical side is you seeing stuff you hadn't seen before. You're more attentive to things. It's amazing the things that you just know without knowing them. How, how do you know? I don't know. I just know that we're supposed to go this direction. Some of you all, your passion has increased. Your Physical strength has increased. Your, your focus mentally, it has been sharpened. And it is the sign that the Spirit of God is resting, everybody shout, upon me. And he's doing it in an amazing way. So what's your responsibility with this, with this resting, with these gifts that are beginning to manifest? Because it's, it's happening. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. What's your responsibility? Here's my responsibility as a pastor. It's to guard against abuse and misuse. Because there's some of you all who 
<laughs> okay, let me, let, me, let me say it like this. If you broke with the lust problem, if you get money, you think lust gonna go away? <laughs> no, you you gonna you gonna yeah, you gonna yeah. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you gonna yeah. You just There's some of you all, and these grace, these gifts, they're grace gifts, meaning that, like, you ain't do nothing to earn them. You, you didn't do anything to deserve them. God says, based on your assignment, you need this equipment. So I'm going to give you the tools that you need to fulfill your assignment. Now, I'm going to hold you accountable at the end with how you use your tools, but I'm not going to withhold them because you nasty. That was so good, I think I'm going to say it again. God says, I'm going to equip you with the necessary tools for you to fulfill your assignment, and I have made the decision not to withhold the equipment just because you're nasty. I'm going to challenge you to clean up your nastiness. So there are some of us that, that, that we are in a place that we should not be spiritually. The, the communion, the fellowship with God is not where it needs to be. And God says, I'm still going to Come on, come on, y'all parents. Y'all know how it is on December 24th when you met at all of your kids. <laughs> December 24th, I've been there many years. Wanted to set all them gifts on fire. Because my kids don't deserve none of them. But what happened Christmas morning? They come downstairs, they come in, hey, mom, hey, like they ain't been bad all week. You understand? Hey, mom, it's, it's 6 o'clock. I know, I'm asleep. And you bless them because you love them. God says, I'm still going to bless you because I love you, but I need you to be careful with what you're doing with these gifts I'm giving you. Can, can we deal with it? So I want to I wanna highlight a character today that, that was extremely gifted, but my man mismanaged the grace and the gift that was on his life. In the book of Judges, chapter number 13, verse number 5, we see the angel of the Lord coming to visit Samson's mother. And this is what the angel has to say to mom. He says, you shall conceive and bear a son, no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God. Nazarite meaning consecrated to the Lord from the womb. And he shall, now, now watch this, God says, this is a prophetic word that God sends through the angel of the Lord. He shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. I'm going to use your boy to make a difference in the lives of my people, and he's going to liberate them from the stronghold of their enemies. Now, this is the word, but something interesting transpires in chapter number 14. And, Pop, I'll be honest with you, for years I have not understood it. I saw it, but, I, you know, it is what it is. God kind of gave me some insight as to what's actually going on, chapter number 14. The Bible declares, Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines, I seen this girl from Nagaport. Ooh, wee! 
I saw one of the, oh, oh I'm sorry, from Philadelphia, Mississippi. Woo-wee! I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timna. Now get her for me as a wife. Now, now, now look, at, look at mom and pop's response. But his father and mother said to him, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or at least among your own people that you must go take uh, a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. Now understand, that phrase connects the entire book of Judges because the, the, the writer will continue to say that the people did what was right in their own eyes. Therefore, God would turn them over to the enemy. So he is using this negative phrase that the author, the writer, continues to perpetuate to show God's displeasure. So it seems to me, if I just pause at verse number three, it seems to me that God would not be pleased with his choice. If I look at the pattern of what he has forbidden his people to do, and that is to intermarry, it's not about the ethnicity, but it is about the religious purity, not to marry with folk that don't serve Yahweh God. This is not God's will for my man's life. So mom and dad realizes that, but, but, but when you get to verse number four, something interesting happens. The Bible declares his father and mother ooh, did not know... <laughs> That it was actually from the Lord. Now, I'm confused on this one here. Now, now when, I, when I, look at, I look at the story of uh, um, Isaac, Abraham, talking to his service about, servant about getting his, a wife for Isaac, he tells him, don't you mess with them Canaanite women. <laughs> don't go over there to the land of Canaanites. Throughout the Old Testament, whenever there was a marry, marriage, It was always frowned upon if you married someone from another nation with a dip. Now, it's it's one thing to become a proselyte, to be engrafted into the worship, but but these are individuals who serve a God completely different from the true and living God. And the Bible declares, God says, this is of me. So I'm wrestling with this. Like, how is this and why is this that God would so allow this? It didn't make sense to me until I started reading some of the other things that happened in the book of Judges. Let me show you. L- let me show you the first time, the first time um, Samson uses his strength because that was the defining thing about him. When, when the Spirit of God rested upon him, he would become like super strong. Uh, and, and people, he, it, was, it, it was interesting because when you look at the books, um, you know, you know, coloring books as a kid, Samson is always this man with big muscles, right? That wasn't Samson. Joe, stand up. That ain't Samson. <laughs> Sit down. Chat, wave your hand. There goes Samson right there, y'all. Man, where does your strength lie? <laughs> How is it that you're picking up these gates? Samson was a small man. But the Spirit of God would rest upon him, and this strength, this supernatural strength would rest upon him. And so the first time he uses his strength in the text is chapter 14, verse number 6. The Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. Interesting. Here's the second time recorded in Scripture when Samson uses his strength. You know what he used it for? He lost the bet. (laughs) And after losing the bet, he had to pay the bet. And the Bible declares, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and he went down to 
Ascalon and struck down 30 men and, uh, of the town and took their spoil and gave, their, gave the garments to those who had told the riddle. This, this, is, this is challenging to me because, God, what you trying to say? Um, I place my spirit upon you. And I place my spirit upon you because I have called you to a certain task. And you need the gifts, the power, the strength of my spirit to carry out the task that I have assigned you to. So God says, it is my desire. Pop, come, 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 come. It is my desire to lead you in the way that I desire for you to go. Now, if you choose not to follow me, I'm not going to lift my spirit off of you. If you choose not to follow me, I'm not going to change your assignment and, and, and you do something else. If you choose not to follow me, if you will not follow me, I will continue to push you into what I called you to do. Now, you clapping, but if I was you, I wouldn't be clapping because I'd rather be led than... Where you going, man? I ain't done with you. <laughs> Let me show you the difference between leading and pushing. Leading says the Philistines are oppressing my people. And it's breaking my heart. And I want you to do something about the thing that's breaking my heart. Go and deal with, my, with the Philistines. And if you will go, I will be with you, and you will overcome them. That's what leading looks like. Let me show you what pushing looks like. Pushing looks like these are the Philistines that are oppressing my people, and it is breaking my heart. And I want you to come and... And I want you to come and... Fall. Maybe he didn't understand. This is breaking my heart. And I have called you and anointed you to do something about the thing that's breaking my heart. Let's go. And God leaves again and his manservant doesn't follow. So God decides if you won't deal with what's breaking my heart, I'm going to break your heart with what's breaking my heart. And then I bet you do something about it now. I bet you do so. Oh, my God. Some of y'all ain't moved until you got mad about something. Some of y'all ain't even dealt with certain things until it started frustrating you. And God says, this has been frustrating me all the time, but I bet you're going to move now. Every time Samson used his powers, he only used it for a selfish reason. But he didn't understand that God said, I'm going to let you marry this woman. She's going to break your heart. It's going to make you mad. Then you're going to become vengeful against my enemies. And I'm going to, oh my God, if you don't allow me to lead you, then I'm going to drive you. Some of y'all are being driven into the will of God right now. And God's saying it is not my best for you. I'd rather lead you. But if you just want me to drive you, oh, I will drive you. Lead your neighbors and neighbor, God will drive you. Let me show you this in the text, man. 
<laughs> Judges chapter number 16. Man, this, this is crazy because uh, I have had the unfortunate pleasure of being on the bedside by saints before they make their transition. Some moments before, some days before. And, and it always interests me, and it kind of threw me off as a young pastor, but because mother's getting ready to make a transition, and she's giving me these, <laughs> these instructions of what she want me to do. I'll never forget this one mother. She kept telling me, I, Pastor, I, my daughter is going to need help. And it went over my head. And I was like, yes, mother, we're we going to pray for your daughter. She said, no, 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 no. My daughter is going to need help. I didn't know until after she had died that she knew she was getting ready to leave here. And the support she used to give, baby girl, she ain't going to be able to give it no more. So my daughter needs help. And what I have learned is people on their deathbed, when they have only a few moments and they know it, the thing that's upon their heart the most, that's the, the thing that matters the most is the thing that they begin to talk about. Samson is getting ready to die. So if there is a transparent, honest conversation to really reveal where the man of God's heart is, before he dies, we ought to be able to glean where his thoughts really are. So my man getting ready to die, and this is his final prayer to the Lord. He says in Judges 16, 28, then Samson called to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord God, please remember me. And please strengthen me only this once, O oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my, for my what, y'all? Not, not, not for your glory. Not because this is what you anointed and called me to do. Not because this is what you talked to my mama about nine months before I got here. Not, not because of you. I want you to deal with your enemies, not because of your will, God, but because of what they did to. And the scripture declares, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength and the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he had killed during his life. This, this is so sad and it's, it's pitiful because it's not the way that God actually wanted to use my man. But because my guy was so selfish, God had to arrange situations that whenever he would fulfill God's will, he actually thought he was fulfilling his. I wonder how many folk in here actually think you're doing your will. You straightening out things, and the reason you straighten it out because it's hurting you now. Yeah. Some stuff you let go. Some stuff you ain't, you ain't even deal with until it start hurting you. God don't want to drag you. Somebody shout, it's got to be a better way. Yeah. Now, it's it's, it's got to be a better way. Because God is living on the inside of me, and he actually wants to, par everybody shout partnership. partnership. He wants to partner with me. He wants to walk with me. He placed this anointing upon us. He graced us with these gifts. And many of you all are realizing gifts 
in your life like you never have before. You're becoming more sensitive to the things of God, to the power of God. And, and, and God says that I want to walk with you. So there, there must be, everybody shout a better way. So this is what Paul does. Paul writes to the church of Corinth, chapter number 12 and 14. He's actually dealing with the spiritual gifts. And he's challenging them that these gifts that God has rested upon you is for the upbuilding of the church. I want, you to, I want you to use what God gave you selflessly, not selfishly. I want you to use what God gave you to actually benefit and actually to build up my house. But there is a major ingredient that you're going to have to live by and embrace. It can't just be a tool within your arsenal. It has to be the foundation of your life if you're going to properly, watch this, not just abuse and misuse the gifts that I've given. Am I making sense in this place? So he challenges them in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? No. Prophets? No. Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? No. Everybody doesn't have every gift, but everybody at least has one gift. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are gifted. I'm telling you, you are, you are, God has graced you both naturally and spiritually with spiritual gifts, with natural gifts to equip you for the assignment that he has called you to. So he says, no, everybody's not apostles, everybody's not a prophet, everybody doesn't work miracles, everybody doesn't possess the gift of healing, speak in tongues or interpret. But he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Paul says, I want to show you a better way to utilize the gifts that God has blessed you with. So we go into 1 Corinthians 13, and he opens up and he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Hit, hit, hit that cymbal, hit that cymbal, 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 cymbal. <laughs> That symbol sounds beautiful within the context of melody. It sounds beautiful within the context of an orchestra, music, but continuing to bang that symbol, what was or what could be very beautiful, blend together, now becomes an irritant isolated from its purpose. And God says, when you use the gifts that I gave you outside of love, what could have been a blessing now becomes an irritant to God and to the people you call to serve. He says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, isn't it interesting because these things that the world sees, they actually make you something. Got a fat house? You somebody. Nice car? You somebody. Fine wife? You somebody. You, you, fine jewelry? You somebody. Or you can prophesy, or you got an anointing on your life? You somebody. But God says all of this outside of love, you ain't. Verse number three, if I give all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, it really don't profit me nothing at all. So now he's going to define what love really is. He says love is patient and kind. Everybody shout patient and kind. He said, this is what you ought to be demonstrating, patience, 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 because there's some folk that you're irritated about that God has taken them through the same process he took you through. And you mad at them because they hadn't the right. Come on, as parents, we do it sometimes. 
How many of y'all, like me, have gotten on to your children about something you actually did when you was their age? But you, you did it like you ain't, I can't even believe you. You got on to them like you ain't never did that. God going to start giving some of you kid, your kids word of knowledge. But, but, Dad, I just see the Lord, the Lord is showing me that you did this as well. <laughs> love is patient. So love will wait. It waits. But love is not just patient. The Bible declares it's patient and what, y'all? Anybody ever had somebody wait on you, but they were mad at you while they were waiting on you? They were mean to you while they were waiting? Come on now. <laughs> When me and my wife used to ride together, it, it was every Sunday. I was mad at her waiting on her in the car. <laughs> it ain't just patient. The Bible declares love is what, y'all? Love is kind. Does not envy or boast. That, that's interesting because these, these two uh, uh, polar opposite words, envy and, and boast, arrogant. Envy says that I got my, my spirit is bitter at you because you got something that I want. Being boastful says, ha, ha, I got something that you want. Love don't operate in these extremes of negativity. It doesn't, it doesn't envy, neither is it boast. It is not arrogant. Verse, verse 5, it is, I'm going to NIV. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. <laughs> Love, it keeps no record of wrong. Ooh. Love. Love, God help me, love keeps no record of wrong. My God. Baby, bro, I used to have, I used to have a headache list. Come down here. Brothers know exactly what I'm talking about. I used to have a headache list. But the headache list included everything my wife ever said not to bless me. My head hurt, my stomach hurt, my feet hurt, I got a toothache tonight, <laughs> my nose running, I'm tired. Every, and, and I, man, I, Pop, I was getting ready to set this thing up. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I was getting ready to set this thing up because I, I ain't just have a list. Joe, I had a calendar player. I had the date that I asked and the reason she said no. Now watch this. At this time, I had a bad marriage, but I was asking God to give me a good marriage. And I was doing the antithesis of what it takes to have a good marriage. Y'all ain't saying that. Because I was getting ready to sit her down. I was getting ready to take her out. I was getting ready to take her out because I had talked to the Lord. I had, before I moved, it was like, it was like two days before I was getting ready to take you out and show you my list. And I have a conversation with God. I said, God, you're going to look, look. I said, God, she hurt the week of. She hurt the work week before. She hurt the week after. A brother got one good week a month and, and stuff keep going wrong in my week. Y'all going to do me like that. Y'all going to do me like that. Brother got one good week and everything going wrong in my week. We're going to have to have a conversation. So I wrote down all these things, and I was getting ready to take you out, and I was going to be like, babe, you, you, had, you, you have a whole lot of headaches. <laughs> 
And I stumbled up on 1 Corinthians where it says, love keeps no, God made me get rid of my record. Let, let, me, let me help you, 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 let me help you. God, I want you to do this in my marriage while I'm looking at what, God, I want you to, I want, I, I want, this is what I want, but this is what your mind is meditating and focusing on. If you're going to really love, you're going to have to get rid of your, look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, get rid of your record. Ooh, I just messed some of y'all up. I just. <laughs> look at the Turners. They were looking at each other. No, you get rid of your record first. If you get rid of your record, I get rid of mine. Don't be, get, don't be asking me to get rid of mine. You ain't got rid of yours. <laughs> Lo uh, love, it does not rejoice in wrongdoings. But it rejoices with truth. Love. Everybody shout, love is the answer. Love is the answer. Please, please we, we, oftentimes we take this scripture and we read it out of the context that it was written for. We read it at weddings and that's a beautiful place to read it at. But please, Paul is dealing with the messiest church in the New Testament and dealing at the same times with one of the messiest issues in the messiest church in the New Testament. And he says the problem of your abuse and misuse of the graces and the gifts that God has given you is that you don't really got love for one another. So he says love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. He said, you're going to have to start loving better. You're going to have to start loving better. You're going to have to start loving people better. And the way you love people better, you're going to have to start loving me better. It's impossible for you to love Greg Sr. and hate Greg Jr. That just don't make sense. You don't love me and hate my kids. Neither do you think you can love your, my kids better than I can love them. Oh, that, it was quiet. I don't care. I'm going to say it again. Let me say it how I want to say it. You can't love my kids more than I love my babies. So you're going to have to start loving them. And the way you love them, you're going to have to fall back in love with me. Now, when I look across this room, this is what I'm seeing in the spirit realm. I'm seeing incredibly gifted, anointed, talented, blessed people whose lives and ministry is on hold because your love is cold. You are not as fruitful nor productive as you could be because of this chilled love factor that you got and you got plenty of reasons to be cold because all the folks that have disappointed you and all the people that have let you down and betrayed you and said made promises that never came to fruition you got plenty of excuses but what you're realizing is what you fail to realize is as your love grows cold horizontally it also grows cold 
because you can't hate them and say you love. So in this house today, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let me show you what it looks like. It looks like the individual that said, they'll never do it again. They'll never hurt me again. They'll never, they, they will, they will. You, you know what, you know what happened when you start saying they will never? What you're doing is you're removing God off of the throne of your heart and you're putting your own self on the throne and you're saying, I'm going to dictate parameters around me. I'm going to be the God of my life to make sure that nobody ever penetrates my heart. Here's the truth. Here's the reality. You actually can guard your own heart, but your guards make it cold. Or you can let down your guards, and, and here, here is the challenge. I know here's the trouble with letting down the guards. If you let down your guards, will you get hurt again? You will. But God says the same God that healed you then, I'll heal you again. Why are you worried about hurt when you serve a healer? Somebody need to pause and tweet that right now. Why are you worried about hurt, come on somebody, when you serve a healer? As a pastor, I was there several times. Po folk hurt me. They let me down. They, they made me promise it. Brother came to me one time. He said, Pastor, me and my wife, we joining, and you're going to bury me one day. Play it in the last two months. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to bury you, bro. No, he gone. You know how I many promises I got like that? Start making my heart cold. Stop trusting people. Yeah, you can be a member. You, I preach to you. I teach to you. But no, no stay, just stay, stay, stay right there. But God says you won't be an effective pastor keeping people right there. You got to let. You got to let them close to you. And letting people close to you, yes, they're going to hurt you, but I'm going I'm to heal you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal you. And the more you push them away, the more you push your be away. Thank you, God. There's some of you all, you actually need to renounce your vows. Because you made a vow that God didn't give you. You made a vow of what you ain't going to never allow. God ain't never said that. You made a vow of what folk wasn't going to never. God ain't never said that. I wish I could. I, I, I promise you, they'll never hurt. I wish I could, but I can't say that. Because there are times when he allows certain hurts, but ultimately he works it together for our good. We got to learn to trust him just like I'm done. Here's the challenge. God says today, I want you to love again. But the way you love again is that you got to commit to him again. I want you to start loving them again, but this time not in your own strength. You ever tried to give somebody everything, but it looked like at the end of the day, nothing that you gave them helped them? Sometimes, man, that's so disappointing. But like, I ain't doing that no more.
let her call again. She called again, I'm done. God didn't make that decision. Either you're going to be serving or you're going to be the Lord. If you be the Lord, then he's not. But if you choose to serve him. This is what I feel today God wants to do. God wants to call somebody back to him. Jonah, Jonah, stop running and doing your own thing. Samson, stop using your gift for selfish purposes. Commit yourself to serving the people by committing yourself to serving me. Yes, God. Heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity, God, for, for your people. God, there, there are some, God, that are uh, they're convicted by words, not of Greg, but of you, God. And they recognize that they hadn't been loving they hadn't been loving the way they should. Some because of offense, hurt, disappointment. But God, they realize their lack of love for your people is actually manifesting as a lack of love for you, God. And they've tried to rationalize it and say, no, I love God, though. I just don't want his people. I love God. I just don't want to deal with his children. But, 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 but you, you, you can't say I hate God's kids. I just love, no. Loving my babies is loving me. So, God, there's some that's standing ready to ask you for forgiveness for allowing this season in their lives of their love growing cold. And they're making a commitment today to recommit and rededicate themselves back to you. And that means even becoming vulnerable to hurt again and disappointment again. But this time, they're making a commitment in faith, knowing that even if you allow the hurt, you're going to work it together for my good. Even if you allow the hurt, you're going to, you're going to bring about healing in my heart. So with heads bowed and eyes closed in this place, if that's you and you're saying, Pastor McGee, my man, that's, I'm, I'm, I recognize myself. I'm growing, I've grown cold in my love. I'm not, my, my connection with God is not what it, what it needs to be or what it should be, but I'm ready to reconnect. If that's you, just lift your right hand. I want to see you all over this building. Let me see you. I see you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I want you to take it to the next level. If that's you, if you raise your hand, if you raise your hand, just rest upon your feet. Rest upon your feet. I want to see you. I want to see you. Thank you, Jesus, because God wants to do something miraculous. He wants to do something powerful, and he, uh, he, he publicly wants to reaffirm his love and his care for you. My intercessors, I need you to my left and right real quickly. My intercessors to my left and to my right real quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you who are standing, 
if you can just bow your head where you are right now. And I'm going to pray for you. Father, now in Jesus' name, God, this man, this woman, this boy, this girl, they, they didn't stand because they wanted to be seen. They didn't stand, God, because, because they were just going through the motions of this message. But God, they stood because there's something that's hungry on the inside of them that's saying, God, I want more of you. And I can actually feel the distance between you and I, and I'm ready to reconnect. So God, I'm asking you to touch every standing heart today. And God, that you would bridge that gap, that, that, that distance that they feel. We rebuke the hand of the enemy now in the name of Jesus that would cause confusion, that would cloud the judgment. Satan, you are arrested now in Jesus' name and you get absolutely no victory. Every, every manifestation goes quietly in the name of Jesus. We do not permit you to, to speak or manifest in any irreverent way. You are a liar and you are already defeated. I thank you and I bless you for it now in Jesus' name. Now, those of you all who are standing, repeat this simple prayer after me. And those of you all who are believers, I want you to help them to pray this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins, my shortcomings. Forgive me for my selfishness, for only thinking of myself and my needs. Say, Lord, I realize I've grown cold in some areas in my life. And I need you to heal me and to make me whole again. Say, Father, I step down off of the throne of my life and I ask you to take control. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died and that you rose again the third day so that I may be saved, so that I may be reunited with you. So take control now, heal me, bless me, and deliver me in Jesus' name. Listen to me, those of you all who are standing, this is what's getting ready to happen. My intercessors are coming and they're just gonna put a hand on your shoulders and real quickly, they're gonna pray and just agree with you in Jesus' name with the commitment that you have made. So you don't leave out of here and the enemy fights your mind about, about what you said or what you did. No, you're going to have somebody that's going to connect jumper cables with your faith that's going to strengthen you. Intercessors, go now. Go, 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 go. Go, 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 go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While they're praying for them, I want the, I want the saints to just be believing God. Listen, I want you to be believing God and praying for them like it's you going through some trouble in your soul, like it's, like it's you that's, that's being tormented or that, that's being tortured by past pain and past disappointing, disappointment. God is healing now. Heal, heal. Heal, heal, heal. Heal, heal, heal. heal. 